Lord Jesus, as you taught your disciples of old, teach us how to pray and how to make prayer a part of what we do all day long for your sake. Amen. Grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This is uh, part five of our 40 Days of Prayer sermon series. And today's theme is how to pray throughout your day. How to make prayer a part of your entire day's experience. I want to start off talking about two prayer habits that I want to encourage all of us to develop more and more in our daily life. And the first prayer habit is to keep a running conversation with God. When you think about prayer, I don't know if if you think of it in terms of something very, very formal, something that is uh, uh, attached only to a worship service or attached only to a Bible study time, but I want to encourage us to stretch our thinking about prayer and to see it, first of all, as a running conversation with God, almost like breathing. You know, it's something that's constant throughout your day. And so to pray conversationally, uh, let me just encourage you to just talk to God about whatever is on your mind at that moment. He really does want to hear about whatever is on your mind. In Ephesians 6 verse 18 from our epistle lesson today, St. Paul said, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Notice he says, on all occasions. He's really saying pray anywhere, about anything, anytime. You know, if, if I don't feel like praying, then it means that I'm not praying what I feel. Because I feel something all the time. I'm feeling and thinking something constantly. And God wants me to bring all of that to him in prayer, to keep a running conversation with God. St. Paul said to the Thessalonians, a very simple phrase, pray continually. Now, if your idea of prayer is that you always have to fold your hands and bow your head, then this would not be a good practice while you're driving down the freeway. But it doesn't have to be done that way. You can pray driving down the freeway with eyes wide open, and you don't even have to talk out loud. God hears your prayer. It's a continual conversation. Keep a running conversation with God. That's a first basic habit to establish. But the second habit is the one that I want to spend most of the time on in the message this morning. The second prayer habit to develop is to schedule prayer times throughout your day. Schedule prayer times throughout your day. This really is not a new idea at all. In fact, when we look in the Bible, in the Old Testament, we recognize that the Old Testament believers scheduled their very specific prayer times throughout the day. We heard an example of that in that wonderful Old Testament story about Daniel, that he knelt in prayer facing toward Jerusalem three times a day. He was in faraway Babylon. He was one of the exiles. But three times a day, he knelt in prayer. I doubt that he had established that habit in Babylon. 
he had probably established that habit already back home in Jerusalem, and it was something he continued to do. It was a habit he had developed. When we move into the New Testament era, in the time of the Roman Empire, I think this is an interesting historical uh, reality. The Romans built a forum in every major city in the empire, and in each forum they would build a bell tower. And the bells would ring during the course of the day, sometimes six or seven times a day. For example, at the start of day, what we would call 6 a.m., the first day, the first hour, the bell would ring, and that would signal that it was the beginning of the business day. It was kind of like a call to go to work, 6 a.m. That first hour was called prime. Then 9 a.m., the third hour, the bell would ring again. At noon, the sixth hour, it would ring to signal a lunch break. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the bell would ring again to say lunch is over, time to get back to work. Then at 6 p.m., the 12th hour, it would ring to signal the end of the work day. This was common throughout the Roman Empire. But when Christian people would hear the bells ring, they would use the ringing of the bells as a prayer time, a time to pause and pray to the Lord. Over time, monks would put bells in the monasteries for the purpose of reminding the monks to pray regularly. And what developed was the liturgy of the hours, prayers every so so many hours throughout the day developed. In the 400s A.D., the first mechanical devices were invented so that the bells could be rung automatically on a regular basis. Did you know that the old Latin word for bell is clock, C-L-O-C, clock. We get the word clock from that. And it could be argued that clocks were really first invented to remind us to pray to call us to regularly set time aside to pray. When we look in the Old Testament, Psalm 119, for example, verse 164 says, the psalmist says, seven times a day I praise you. That's probably not just poetic. It's probably a reflection of his pattern to set time aside regularly throughout his day to pray. So I want to make a suggestion to you. This isn't a hard and fast rule, of course, But I want to suggest something to you that you might find helpful. I want to suggest a daily schedule that is actually built on the Lord's Prayer. I think we can use the Lord's Prayer in a variety of ways, praying it together jointly as a community, but also using it as a pattern for prayer and a pattern for our daily living. Let me explain what I mean. We can take each part of the prayer and pray it at different parts of the day. So, the first step is, when you first get up in the morning, get up with gratitude. Start your day with thanksgiving as you pray, Our Father in heaven. Let me ask you, when you first get up in the morning, do you say, Good morning, Lord, or do you say, Good Lord, it's morning? Well, rather than starting your day with grumbling or griping or groaning or growling or grunting, why not try gratitude? It's a much better way to start the day. 
when Jesus taught his disciples. He said, your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray, our father in heaven. You know, when we start our day thinking about our heavenly father, we're reminded right away we have one who loves us dearly as his beloved children. We have that caring, consistent, close, and capable father who is always there for, for us, who provides us with everything we're going to need for that day. And so it's good to remind ourselves of him and give gratitude for what he does. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So in the morning when we get up, we can recall and recount all of the ways that our Heavenly Father is good for us and good to us. And we can thank Him. So very first thing, get up with gratitude. Now, you're up and you're ready to eat, right? So here's step two. Bless God's name at breakfast. You're sitting there eating your breakfast. Bless His name. You know, to bless God's name means to honor His name, to give respect, to praise His name. In the prayer, it reads, Hallowed be Thy name. Hallowed be Your name. May Your name, O God, be held sacred and holy and revered and honored by me. You know, in the Bible, when it talks about the name of a person, the understanding is that the name is the person. What you do with somebody's name, you're really doing to the person. And in fact, biblical Hebrew names uh, meant something. They translate into something. They have some important meaning. When we demean someone's name, we really are demeaning the person. And likewise, when we honor their name, we honor the person. And if you think about it, this all really ties into the second commandment about honoring God's name. For by honoring his name, we honor him. Psalm 145 verse 2 says, Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. So let me encourage you to say the second part of the prayer at breakfast. Hallowed be your name and bless God's name at breakfast. So now you're off to work or school. You start your day and then about mid-morning, I encourage you to take a little brief prayer break. Presumably, you get a break somewhere along the line midday, mid-morning. Take a little brief prayer break. And at mid-morning, remember what matters most. Remember what matters most. You know, it's so easy to get distracted or, or uh, off course by the busyness of your daily living. The busyness of work, the busyness of school, the busyness of just living. And it's easy at times to forget our priorities, to kind of lose our focus about, about life and to miss the big perspective of life. And that's why it's, it's good to pause and pray the next part of the prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because this part of the prayer is about aligning myself with God's purpose with His will and His plans for my life. And we need that reminder. And mid-morning is probably a good time to do it, you know, to say, Lord, 
May your kingdom come in my life right now, at work, at school, in what I'm doing today. May your will be done in the way I conduct myself at work, at school, in, in my daily routine. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We're to seek his kingdom. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done in my life and in this day of my life. So you go on through your day, and next it's time for lunch. And I would encourage you to list your needs at lunch. List your needs. Maybe you're eating a sandwich, and that sandwich can remind you of the next phrase of the prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And of course, daily bread isn't limited to food. It's talking about our basic needs. And it's an opportunity for us to ask God for anything that we need. And then we're also reminded, of course, that we pray, give us today our daily bread. It's plural. And so we not only pray, pray for our own needs, but we pray for others' needs as well. And maybe you've had a conversation with a fellow student, or maybe you've had a conversation with a fellow employee, and they've shared something about their life with you. And now you have the opportunity to say to that person, I will pray for you about that. And that can lead, of course, to more opportunities to share the love of Jesus with that person. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Paul tells us, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Just imagine if over lunchtime at work or school you did this and you took time to pray about all different needs. And then God brings a peace over you that allows you to get through the rest of the day with strength. Sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? Well, of course, by mid-afternoon, now maybe you've been dealing with some frustrating people, which is what life often brings. Maybe you've had some disappointments on the job or at school. Maybe you've had some experiences of hurt. Maybe you found yourself getting angry over something that transpired at work or school. And you know, it's easy to pile up a stack of sinful attitudes and and thoughts and, and even actions. So now, step five in the process, ask for forgiveness in the afternoon. By then, we probably need it. Ask for forgiveness in the afternoon. That brings us to the next part of Jesus' prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's all about owning up to our own faults and failings. Owning up to our own sins and, and our wrong reactions, our, our flying off the handle at the boss or somebody else or, or getting upset at a fellow student or even the teacher. Take a moment to stop, confess it to God, and let him remove it. It's, it can happen as quickly as taking out the garbage, you know. And really, it's, it's what we're doing, taking out the garbage, the garbage of our sins, confessing it to God. 
and also getting rid of any resentment or bitterness that maybe has built up inside of us and being ready to forgive the other person who perhaps said or did something that was hurtful to us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. David did something similar, and he wrote about it in Psalm 32. He said, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, O God, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David was honest about his failings, and likewise, we need to be too. And you know, as we confess our sins, we know that we have the full assurance that we are forgiven, not because of anything we've done to try and make ourselves right with God, but rather on account of what Jesus did for us in dying on the cross. That's where it's all taken care of. And that's where we can leave all of our burdens of our sin and shame and guilt. That's where we can leave all of our own resentments and angers. Jesus paid for all of it. Let's leave it there and not pick it up again. And then when we realize that we are forgiven, you see, then we have a power to be able to forgive others. Even that hard-nosed boss or that not-so-pleasant fellow student, yes, we can even forgive him or her. Then after work or after school is over, what do you do? You head home. And this is maybe perhaps the most critical time of the day. Did you know that 90% of arguments happen one hour before dinner? It's, it's a proven fact. And so knowing that, I would say it's wise to ask for help as you are preparing to come back home and and enter into your evening experience with your spouse, with your family. And this brings us to step number six. Ask God to help you make wise decisions in the evening. Ask him to help you make wise decisions and to protect you from making dumb decisions. And sometimes we do that. We make dumb decisions about how we use our evening hours. The part of the prayer reads this way. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, if you think about it, some of the worst temptations can come in the evening. They can come through the refrigerator. <laughs> they can come through the television, through the computer or another electronic device. You know what I mean. The temptations are there. Temptations to look at things that are not appropriate, perhaps. You know, if you watch stuff that's no good for you, it's going to produce things that are not so good in your behavior and your thinking. And if that is a challenge for, challenge for you, you might want to memorize this next Bible verse. I like the way it reads in the Living Bible. It says, Psalm 101, verse 3, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. We used to teach our children, garbage in, garbage out. It's a phrase related to technology, but it's also related to how we live our life. What we put into our mind and our heart comes out in the way we live. Garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. 
Now, thankfully, when it comes to temptation, God has given us some wonderful promises, including this one in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. But remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. Martin Luther said concerning temptation this analogy. He said, the birds may fly over your head, but you don't have to let them nest in your hair. Temptations may come our way, but we don't have to give in to them. With God's help and strength, we can resist them and live the way that honors God. So, ask God to help you make wise decisions. Pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then finally, in this daily schedule built on the Lord's Prayer, step seven at the end of the day is to end your day with an encouraging truth. End your day with an encouraging truth. The Lord's Prayer concludes, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What a wonderfully encouraging truth that is. It's a way of reminding ourselves, hey, God is in control. No matter what happened today, God is, is still in control. Today's problem is not the end of the story. And that in the end, in the big picture, God wins. And so do we. The victory is ours because of Jesus. So friends, I hope you see that the, the Lord's Prayer is not only a pattern for praying, it really can be a pattern for daily living as you make use of it throughout your day. Get up with gratitude. Bless God's name at breakfast. At mid-morning, remember what matters most. List your needs at lunch. Ask for forgiveness in the afternoon. Ask God to help you make wise decisions in the evening. And end your day with an encouraging truth. You know, when we become people who make prayer a regular habit, we influence those around us. We influence especially our own family members to do, this, do the same. They become people of prayer when they see that we are people of prayer. And I think there's an awful lot of truth in that old adage, the family that prays together stays together. I want to close with the story of a woman who lived 150 years ago, a young Boston woman who married a printer. And they happily had three children. But the Civil War ended their happiness as this woman whose name was Mary lost her husband. Her husband was conscripted into the Northern Army and died at the Battle of Antietam. Next, her 12-year-old son drowned. And then her only daughter died too. In her grief... Mary Ann Kidder turned to writing hymns of faith, hymns of faith that helped millions of others in their challenges in life. In total, she wrote 181 worship songs, one of them 
was called, Did You Think to Pray? The lyrics to this song go like this. When you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? In the name of Christ our Savior, did you ask for loving favor as a shield today? When you met with great temptation, did you think to pray? By his dying love and merit, did you claim the Holy Spirit as your guide and stay? When your heart was filled with anger, did you think to pray? Did you plead for grace, my brother, that you might forgive another who had crossed your way? When strong trials came upon you, did you think to pray? When your heart was filled with sorrow, did the love of Christ you borrow at the gates today? And the refrain says, Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change your night today. So when life seems dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and empower you to pray daily. Amen.